brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Sergeant War Dog TV. Let's go to war, baby. Let's go to war, baby. That's what I'm talking about, goddammit. Let's go to war, baby. Let's go to war. All I know is war. All I know is shoot. All I want is more, but I got some things to do. I'm a dog of war, hell's what I've been through. I'm a dog of war, I did it all for you. I'm a soldier, I'm a warrior, got a emblem on my cover. And ask me what I did for ya, I put the trash deep down under, yeah. I'm a dog of war, hell's what I've been through. I'm a dog of war. I did it all for you. Yeah. Sergeant War Dog TV is outdoors TV with swag. Now let's go to war. Hey, if I haven't told you already, Sergeant War Dog TV has an app. It's now out on both the Apple App Store as well as the Google Play Store. Download it today. Find directions to Camp Doghouse. Hear all of our podcasts. The entire Sergeant's playlist. Few pictures and get directions straight to Camp Doghouse, all from the app. Download today, Sergeant War Dog, baby, on the War Dog Trail. Salute. Be sure to follow Sergeant War Dog TV on social media. You can find Sergeant War Dog TV on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Vimeo, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Catch us online. Subscribe, like, and follow us. Salute.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is episode 33. Welcome back to the War Dog Trail. I am your host, Sergeant War Dog. Today, the topic of discussion will be finding your purpose and post-war or post service life whether that's post-war post uh, active duty post reserve time post retirement many 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 of us struggle with trying to find out and figure out what our remaining purpose is Uh, I can't obviously tell you how to find your own purpose because that's something that's innate. Only you will know uh, when it hits you and what's right for you. But uh, I did struggle, man, for about the past 10 years with having no purpose. Not knowing what I was meant to do after surviving three tours in Iraq. As an infantry rifleman. I mean, I, <clears throat> I, f- I for years had accepted and thought that my purpose in life was to be a Marine. And an extension of that, my purpose was to be a Marine and to go to war. And if it took it to give my life, because that's what I signed up for. And that's what I asked for being a frontline infantry grunt. Now, the issue came when after my third tour in Iraq, uh, or not after, well, probably about two weeks left, the last two weeks that I was in Iraq for during the third tour, it suddenly dawned on me that I might survive this situation. You know, I might actually walk out of three tours in Iraq as a grunt. I mean, being there, you know, day one. I'm a day one border crosser. Uh, I'm, You know, I'm one of the guys that walks the streets every day with all the IDs, IEDs blowing up in your face. Or the car bombs blowing up in your face. I'm one of those guys that was patrolling the streets on foot daily. Couldn't tell you how many hundreds of miles uh me or any other service member I've put in on foot I've put, I'm a, uh, couldn't tell you how much work we've put in in terms of patrolling on the ground I mean we got thousands of miles all of us our, our legs our feet we, you know you you tell us to where to go and where the enemy is and we will walk that territory no matter how dangerous how dark how much the rest of the world Hours away from it. That's where we thrive as military veterans. 
Now, I think a lot of the reason that I kind of struggled was because I, I wholeheartedly bought into the idea of being killed in war. And, you know, having my family go through the military funeral, possibly, you know, me being in one of the uh, national cemeteries for veterans or whatnot, or a veteran cemetery somewhere. I had accepted that at age 18, 19, 20, 21. As I told you before, I left the country for Iraq when I was 18. And then two months later, when we crossed the border to go into Iraq, I was 19. And the following year, turned 20. Following year, turned 21 in Fallujah. Of all places. So it's taken me. It's taken me a long time. And as I said, 10 years, man. I, I, I had no idea, like, what am I good for? What, 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 what is my purpose? What, uh, who can I help? What can I help? How can I help it? Um, and I know I'm not the only one. I know millions of veterans probably go through these same issues, questions, wondering what is meant for them after their military service. It, it compounds the issue if you happen to have any disabilities after your service. Because then you have to look at it as, well, okay, when I came into this, I was, you know, one level of being healthy. And now that I finished my service and given my sacrifices of my body and possibly my life, you can't exactly do everything you did before because you sacrificed your body already. Um, and even that sometimes is something for me to ponder. You know, to sit back and wonder, uh, hey, you know, the fact that right now I have a hard time helping my daughter learn to ride a bike because I've had two back surgeries with screws and I got a couple rods in my hip, like stuff like that. You, you wonder, like, had I not run so many miles every day as a grunt, would I be better now to be able to, you know, rollerblade or ride a bike with her? Uh, you know, just little things like that that uh, you might question yourself about. Or question your sacrifices about. Or in some cases, you may question your service, which has happened to me. Now, regardless of anything, no matter how I felt, feeling of uh, shame or, uh, you know, completely writing off my service, my time in service, or, my time, or, you know, having any kind of ill will or feelings towards the Marine Corps. That's not possible. That didn't happen. That wasn't the issue here. Uh, at all. You know, at all. It wasn't the issue. The issue came more with... Uh, just like I said, trying to figure out... 
Like, hey, if I gave all of my body to the war and I thought that was my purpose and I really accepted the mission that I was going to, you know, be KIA, then why is it that all of a sudden I don't know what I'm here for? Now, I said before, since age 18, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to serve in the Marine Corps, in the infantry. I would have been happy to say I just received training, the infantry training and lifestyle for several years. But the fact that we went to war meant that we got to practically apply what we learn and what we uh, are paid to do in one of the most effective ways possible, you know, in terms of seeing your results. Gone were the days and the times of firing at paper targets or any kind of remote uh, modified man-looking targets that can pop up or down. No. Once you hit a, uh, an actual city and you realize, you know, how high the... Uh, the level of casualties are for those that fight in urban environments like that. You just kind of, uh, you know, roll your mind around to accepting that. Hey, if you're a grunt, you could possibly be fucked up. And even more than that, because our forces are spread out across entire countries. Damn, just being a grunt. Every service member out there knows that by signing their name, joining, doing whatever they needed to do to meet the requirements of their job, their rank, etc., they still accept that even they could be fucked up and you know that there's so many ways to die in war that uh I feel like you sort of have to have that mentality that that was mentioned in uh in the band of brothers during one of their episodes where he talked about how it's easier for you to do your job in war once you've already accepted that you're dead. And I have to agree with that. Uh, the way it was explained to me was uh, it was it was said, OK, you know how your family members have pictures of you back home, right? Well, your family members don't actually know where you are right now or what you're doing or what you're seeing or for a matter of, as a, you know, a matter of fact, you could be hit today, tomorrow, and they'd still be looking at that picture thinking you're okay and alive. But in all reality, You could also just be a picture of a passed away family member. Which sounds cold, cruel, hard. But war is cold, cruel, and hard. 
there are certain things that all veterans are exposed to that cut straight through the bullshit. They cut through the niceties, cut through many of the amenities that are, that are available in our civilian society. Veterans can push it and survive with what they have. Veterans can also not be burdened down by what looks can do for them or negatively towards them. And by that I'm saying straight up when I need to survive I don't give a fuck how I look. And that's something I learned in Marine Corps boot camp. When I arrived at boot camp I showed up with six months worth of uh, contact lenses with me that I paid for on my own my little after, after high school job. I get there and the Marines tell me to throw my shit away. Because they're going to give me some of their own government issued glasses. You can imagine the way my mouth dropped when the motherfuckers told me to throw them all my shit six months worth in the garbage can that I paid for. And this is back when contacts were much more expensive than they are now. Uh, I, I learned then, all right? Because of the glasses that are given to you, at least in the Marine Corps, the glasses that they're given to, that they give you are, are <laughs> not in any way fashionable. All right. So when you put those on, you automatically lose the looking game. As a matter of fact, you don't even get called by your name anymore once you put on glasses. And the Marines, they call glasses portholes, or we call glasses, we call windows portholes. So it, when you're wearing glasses on your face, we call those portholes as well. So you get a call, you know, like instead of your name, hey, Johnson, hey, Jackson, come over here. No, you get a call like, hey, thing, hey, portholes, get your ass over here. Hey, portholes, how many push ups can you do? Huh? How many pull ups can you do, portholes? You look weak. And that was when I had to learn and accept, man, that uh, true survival doesn't matter what the fuck you look like. And I had to rearrange and change my drill instructor's mindsets to get them to see that, you know, wearing those glasses or not, I was just as hard as every other Marine recruit that was there. And it worked. Perfect pull-ups for the Marines was 20. Even with my damn glasses and portholes, I was busting out my 20. Perfect crunches was 100 in two minutes. I, my portholes, my glasses ass, I was busting out my perfect 100 crunches in two minutes. Running uh, three miles in 18 minutes is considered perfect for, by the Marine fitness test, or at least it was back then. I was pulling in at around 19 minutes. Just one minute below perfect. And that showed me and showed my drill instructors that for the sake of surviving, getting a job done, I don't give a fuck if I'm wearing these glasses, these portholes, or your opinion of me. 
I will get the job done. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll complete it, send it back to you, and be ready for more. And I think that ins- that kind of idea or ideology is uh, present in the mindset of most veterans. Because we know when, when we need to uh, do our jobs, obviously we might not be the prettiest, the cleanest, smelling the best, all that type of shit. If you find yourself in any of the uh, any of the jobs that spend their time outdoors more uh, often than not, you also gotta know that yeah, you're gonna smell like shit doing your job most of the time. Why? Because you sweat. Why? Because where you are doesn't have running water. Why? Because that's the nature of trying to survive in a foreign hostile environment. Now, to get back to the whole purpose, right, of this episode, which was finding your purpose after war, after active duty service, after reserve service, or after retirement, or even after a medical discharge for whatever reason. What's your purpose? And how do you find your purpose? And what are you going to do in order to attempt to find that purpose? Because without purpose, man, and if you're constantly worried about whatever, what people are saying and doing, looking, how they are, what their people are saying about you or people are saying about how you look. You can get pushed off of your, uh, or, you know, led astray from your purpose. And I'm here to tell you, man, do not ever let anyone talk you out of your position. All right? Do not let anyone ever talk you out of knowing who you are, where you're from, the sacrifices you've made, the places you've been, the things that you've learned. And been trained to do and paid to do that few in the entire world can do. You did that. You did it well. You did it better than most. And as a result of that, you have earned your right to say that you are a veteran of the United States. That you cared enough about the country we live in to not only be a resident of, but an active defender of our country and our way of life. So, what do you do afterwards, though? Now, it's been... About 15, 16 years for me since I've been around most of my, uh, most of the Marines I fought with all at once. So now to hear 15 years later what everyone has been doing with themselves in terms of uh, jobs, family, college, 
income, investments, uh, hardships, as well as successes. What you find after your service is that you can see how easily some others have been able to find their purpose and thrive in it. Sometimes you'll notice that others have been able to lock on to what their purpose was a lot sooner than you could. And again, they thrive in it. Now, you have a right to feel the exact same way. You have a right to thrive in something that you feel is your purpose. You know the old saying, man, you do what you love, doesn't feel like a job. Marines never felt like a job to me. Felt like being paid to do some of the coolest shit in the world. That said, I didn't know what to do for my first 10 to 12 years after uh You know, going through my ups and downs with PTSD, suicidal issues, uh, worthlessness, uh, guilt, shame, depression, you name it, it it was there, it fell on me, it fell on me hard, Uh, never during active duty, but when I went to college afterwards, Somewhere during my senior year While I was going for my bachelor's Every motherfucking thing That I had ever forgotten about During the war Or put way in the back of my mind All came back And flooded me I mean everything Bodies, faces, sounds, smells Explosions Stuff that's a normal part of You know Any grunt's life Or any operator's life. But. For some reason. It all came to the forefront of my mind. And I got stuck then. I gotta admit. I got stuck. And I sat stagnant. For 10 years. For a little over 10 years. Now when I say that, I don't mean like, yeah, I was in prison those 10 years, so that's why it was easy, or I was in some kind of institution for those 10 years. No, I mean, I I started to treat my own house like a mental uh, psych facility, where I wasn't sure of my impulses in terms of anger or violence, because I couldn't control them anymore. I, did, I, I felt like I didn't get along with any civilian in the world. Like I didn't understand any civilian in the world after a time. Like we were speaking different languages, you know? Like, yeah, you're Americans, but uh, after going through combat, you, you feel like a porn star while civilians, you might look at it still being virgins, man. And that's where I was. Just stuck on that, stuck on the replay of the past, the war. I have only recently, within the past year, learned to stop addressing the past in my head as much as I do. 
because I realized I can't fix it. I can't change it. Right? Isn't that a part of the uh, the serenity prayer that's said at uh, AA meetings or uh, any other type of meetings? That the, the serenity prayer where you say, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And to know the difference. And the past is one of those things, man. And I didn't know that for 10 years. So I sat stagnant without a purpose, without any inkling of what I should do with my life. I mean, I don't mean in terms of like, hey, okay, I'm out of the service. I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise or any of that. No, that wasn't the case for me. I. Did my time in the core, attended uh U of Central Florida, majored in international relations and political science and uh I I just wanted to take all of my Marine Corps experience, combine it with being a college educated individual and then take that over to the U.S. State Department where I wanted to work with diplomatic security. And I did a hell of a job to uh, even keep my uh, security clearance active and going. And I did that by uh, becoming uh, an armed security officer in Orlando. And then uh, I was able to work for the defense contractor Lockheed Martin in Orlando. Uh, at their missile and fire control facility. I would work overnight, you know, a graveyard shift, because obviously we weren't sleeping. I wasn't able to sleep much anyway after the war. So I'd work full-time overnight, maybe 10 10 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And then I'd change and uh, head straight to class, head head straight to college at... uh, at uh, 8 or 9 that morning and try to burn myself out you know while learning so that I could sleep I mean that's, that's what I needed I needed a full time overnight job plus full time day of classes to actually burn me out and tire me out to where I could actually have no choice but to sleep cause my body was so used to being active from the war you know Jumping up from gunshots, jumping up from IEDs, jumping up to be called to go do something, you know, weird or stupid, or having to follow some order. So the problem comes, though, at least for me, not while things are going fast, 100 miles an hour, because chaos is what I was taught to thrive in, and chaos is what I did thrive in. The problem came. When things slowed down, the problem that came when um, I had to realize that as great as I was at living in war and living in war zones, I was not great at living in peace or in peacetime and had no fucking clue why. Now, Part of that stems from, you know, my whole story of telling you exactly how I failed and struggled with PTSD 
and why I couldn't move on to my uh, desired career with the Diplomatic Security Service. Now, after that uh, incident with me in college, um, I had to be hospitalized. Um, And from that year to the next 10 or 12 years, I ended up being hospitalized five times total. And being psychologically hospitalized causes you to lose your security clearance. Because, you know, your mental stability is at question. Your mental stability while holding a weapon is at question. And to be honest with you, that right there broke my heart, man. Because, I mean, how are you going to take a U.S. Marine rifle man and then take away his motherfucking rifle? I mean, that was so attached to my identity. To my purpose in life, to my, to my everything, that to be looked at as not being competent enough to handle a weapon or issues of national security, all because I came to the military healthy and sacrificed my entire life and body. Three straight years during the Iraq war to include the very first day. And we know, you know, from D-Day to any other conflicts we see, you know, the first day of any war, any armed conflict, the first days are usually some of the most fatal. That's usually when, a, you know, the shock and awe phase is trying to be shown by both sides so people getting fucked up properties getting fucked up lives are being changed lifestyles are being changed so eventually I was drawn to this and to what I'm doing now including this podcast and this episode specifically I figured that my purpose Besides being a husband or a father, or excuse me, a husband and a father, my purpose that I felt was my purpose was to help as many other veterans not go through the pitfalls that I went through because I didn't know exactly how to handle my post-war life after three straight combat tours. Now, I know I'm not the only one. And I know we've all heard, you know, great stories for those that have gone on to succeed. And we've also heard the horror stories for those that have gone on to commit murder, murder-suicide, or are currently uh, in prison for multiple years, uh, you know, we, we've heard both sides of good and bad from war veterans. Now, I like to say it's your choice as to whether or not you end up on the good side or the bad side of that post-war flip of the coin. But I partly feel that you don't. Because if you did incur any forms of disability or any type of disabilities from service 
then that means those are things that you are now obviously unable to do or able to do as well as you once did, which puts you at a loss. It puts you at your own form of deficit because you can't, you know, do or operate the way you want to. And why? Because you chose to sacrifice your body and life while millions and millions of others in our country don't, won't, or can't. I'm hoping that each and every one of you can figure out what it is that still makes you smile on the inside. What it is that still makes you as happy as as you were as a kid when something blew you away and made you feel nice and happy and good. And you find that thing in your life that it goes on to be your purpose. Whether it's to volunteer, whether it's through your job, whether it's through your kids. Whatever you figure your purpose is. I'm just asking you to be the best at it once you figure it out. And by doing that, you know you'll avoid my issue of stagnation and all the other negative things that come from being stagnant. From any and every aspect of not progressing forward, not utilizing your mind enough, not using any of your intellectual abilities. And just like, you know, just like muscles and working out and physical and all, you don't use a muscle, you know it's going to atrophy. It's going to diminish it's going to go down in size and appearance and obviously in your own inner strength which again puts you at a loss at a deficit so I'm telling you if you do find yourself without a purpose in life or stuck as I was for 10 plus years not knowing what to do what direction to go who what am I what am I good at what am I what am I good for Besides being a marine grunt, because that was my dream. That is and was my goal. That was the crux of everything. And luckily, uh, you know, I was able to attain that. But then you have to think long term. Okay, now that you did survive, what are you gonna do? You were blessed to live. So what are you going to do with it? Only each and every person individually can answer that. It took me a while to obviously get into this whole mode of even wanting to speak in a podcast. Or even wanting to speak about the war or speak about service. Period. And I hadn't for 10 plus years. 
I hadn't discussed anything. I hadn't passed on any knowledge about anything. I had passed on anything about experiences. I simply treated my house like my own freedom having mental institution. And by that I mean most mental psych facilities won't allow you to have tobacco or cigarettes. Obviously, after me needing tobacco during the war and nicotine during the war, that's an issue for me. So, when I say I treat my home similar to a hospital, I treat it as though, like, yeah, I can still get my uh, nicotine on, right? But at the same time, unless I'm positive that I am a thousand percent stable mentally, which I could not guarantee, it's not. It was not safe or not the best decision for me to leave the house. Now, whether that was because of depression or suicidal reasons, or I had a very big problem because it involved a lot of rage that I had in me that I didn't know I had. I had no idea that road rage would set me off the way it did after the war. I had no idea that certain things civilians do or say would piss me off the way they do but that's the nature of the beast man that's the game but just as you you know you listen to this podcast and you see that this is one of my post-war purposes and Sergeant War Dog TV the web series is another one of my purposes after war I'm hoping you see me you see all my mistakes and failures and you see that you too still can find your own purpose be happy exclude any outside noise that distracts from your vision plan or happiness And you do you and you live your life and enjoy every second we got left, man. Because we all know as veterans, better than most, life, freedom, democracy, they're not promised, man. The kind of lifestyle that we're allowed to have in in the United States with people of different Faiths, religions, beliefs, nationalities. It doesn't work as well in other places in the world. And you know that because you've been to many places around the world. All right. That's going to wrap it up for episode 33 today of the War Dog Trail. I am Sergeant War Dog. I hope you were able to find some sort of... uh, benefit from this episode I know I might have seemed somewhat a little misguided or, 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 or aloof during my thinking about this or, or having to pause but um, it's because it's a big subject that obviously I said took me years and years to figure out how to face, adjust to and adapt to but it is possible man even after being arrested and being in 
mental facilities. You can still come out on top with your right mind, sanity, with your right medical care to keep you there. And you can thrive, all right? You can survive. You don't have to be another veteran suicide statistic. I have friends that meet that statistic category already. Or that meet that statistical category. Excuse me. All right, though. I'm going to sign off here. That's episode 33. Again, discussing the purpose of your post-war, post-service, post-active duty, post-reserve, or post-retirement lives. I beg you, man. Find your purpose. Because once you do, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Obviously not as great as some of the feelings you had when you were in the service because that was your number one plan, goal, and dream. And you made it. You made it to that big dog. You hit that like a boss and you moved through it. But now that you made it through that, what's next? Don't be like me staring at the walls all day for years on end, 10 years. Not leaving the house much. Not talking to many people much. Not talking to many veterans much because I was ashamed of of uh, the mental health issues that I succumbed to. Yeah, you can do it, all right? I got faith in you. And anyone that doesn't have faith in you and believe that you can find your purpose and change for the better after your military service life. Tell him to fuck off. Sergeant War Dog, man. Salute. Remember, you can catch this podcast on all of the major podcast platforms. And be sure to follow us on social media. Specifically, the Instagram page, man, because that's where it's on and popping at. That's where I get most of the... Uh, Activity, I guess you'd say for any, for this podcast or the uh, Sergeant War Dog TV web series. Period. All right, that's enough for me. Find your purpose. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.